You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneur Podcast. Today we have Serena Rostash from Loki Concierge Nursing. And sounds like Serena's got a cute little dog in her <laughs> in her house. So, um, so Serena, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for being on with us today. Of course. All right. So um, before we talk about your business, you have a concierge nurse business um, and I'm really excited to hear about how that's going. But why don't you tell us about you as a nurse, like what kind of nurse um, have you been and what's your background? Yeah. So um, I started out as a firefighter paramedic um, and I was that for five years. And I started when I was about uh, 19 years old, um, decided to go to nursing school. And um, I started out as a new grad in the PICU, um, serving pediatric patients, um, and then decided that that was not for me. So I went into neurotrauma ICU for two Much years. Much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Adult patients was more my speed. Um, and then um, I went into ER, um, and I loved it. But I wanted to do something more for healthcare. So. Um, I took a position as an ER department manager, and this was after about maybe five years of nursing. Um, however, at this level, my ideas seemed to be just that, ideas. And, you know, it was great, but I could never get beyond the director level of, of the ideas becoming reality. Um, so I became a nursing supervisor for the hospital. And it was great putting out fires and doing things like that, but I was not able to you know, make a huge impact for the greater good for nurses or for patients. Um, so because I did not have my bachelor's degree at this point, um, I was not a qualified for a director's position. So I decided to become a flight nurse and um, on a helicopter. So I did that and absolutely loved it because I was a trauma junkie and loved the adrenaline. Say, you're all about the intensity. Like yes. everything you just mentioned is like <laughs> high energy. Yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and, and I didn't want to get married or anything like that either. And, and so um, but when I was in my flight nursing career, I met my husband. And so shortly after, I, I found out I was pregnant. And so there goes my flight nursing career because it was just not safe to be on the helicopter. Oh, they will let me. you fly if you're pregnant. <laughs> well, I, I just didn't want to. I just, I know the risks and stuff. And so I decided to go back to the ER and, uh, yeah, and I was there for a while and then went back to the nursing supervisor role. And, um, and then it, it, again, it just, it started to get to a point where I hated going to work. Um, you know, I, when you're, you love your patients, but you're sad every time you have to walk into the ER room and you're just burnt out, it's time to leave. And so I left nursing um, after 14, well, almost 15 years of nursing. Um, this was about two years ago, and I decided, okay, I'm going to go back to school, and I got my bachelor's degree, but I didn't want it in nursing. I wanted it in business, in entrepreneurship, so I'll be done with that in three weeks, um, Yeah, <laughs> and, um, and so I'm happy about that, but I wanted to start a business of some sort, but I have all this nursing experience from the time I was 18 or 19 years old. Um, 
So I wanted to do something to help people. And so I thought, what do people need outside of the hospital? And that's education and guidance in the healthcare system. And so I decided to take that and create a business with it. Um, and it started with, oh, go ahead. And so my father got sick um, and it started with him being in the hospital and he, they wanted to discharge him home with pneumonia and he just, just didn't sit right with me. Um, and so I knew a pulmonologist that I saw walking in the hallway, checking on his patients. And I pulled him in and asked him to take a look at my father and see if he agreed with the diagnosis before discharge. And he looked at the CAT scan and said, no, he doesn't have pneumonia. Absolutely not. So he ordered more tests for him. He got on board with his case. Um, later that day, he, was, he went to surgery and they ended up taking out part of his lungs. And he was there for another like 10 days sick for six months after that home sent home on oxygen. I mean, um, so they thought he had lung cancer, but he didn't. And it, it was just, it was pulmonary, um, pulmonary fibrosis, I think is what he had. Um, but had he had gone home, he, he probably would have died. So that's when I knew I had something here because so many people do not have a patient advocate they don't have somebody to guide them once they leave the hospital. Here's your discharge paperwork and you need to follow up with this doctor and you get your medications. And then the family member's like, okay, what am I supposed to do? I've never been a healthcare provider before. Now I need to take care of my sick loved one. And they're left holding the bag. And so that's where I come in. You call me and I will help these people, you know, navigate what they need to do so that they're not left in the dark. Okay. I, I love that. I think that's, <laughs> that is so needed. Um, and it's one of those things too, that, you know, I think nurses are always wondering how they can use their kind of expertise in a business model. And this is like, I mean, it's huge. You don't need to go get extra degrees or, or anything. Um, this is something that they could absolutely do. Mm -hmm. um, and the, I liked what you said too, about, uh, I, I think a lot of nurses don't recognize uh, burnout when it's happening to them. And you said you were sad every time you walked into the hospital and you started to recognize that maybe that's not normal. <laughs> and yeah. I was, I was like angry. I worked neurocritical care ICU. Um, you know, we had some trauma, but mostly cerebrovascular. Um, and I just, I was so angry all the time and like little things would set me off and people would be like, Hey, Katie, how are you? And I'm like, what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and I'm like, this is not me. This is not the person I want to be. This is not the person I really am. I'm like, there's something wrong. Uh, and that's when I went exploring for business ideas, uh, pretty much like you did. Yeah. Um, all right. So tell me more about um, how you decided that this could actually be a business. Like, did you wake up one day and you're like, all right, well, I'm going to, you know, just tell people I have a business or how did it go from you recognizing the need to creating that business? So, you know, being that I was recently in school, so I'm new to the whole business world, right? I'm a nurse now and just learning about business. Um, I started with um, finding a mentor here in town that um, is, was a CPR um, instructor, but owned the business. And he just kind of guided me. I sat down with him. He said, okay, you need to get a business license and you need to um, you know, find a name for your company. And, you know, so I did all that. And then also researching online as to what I need to do to start a business. Um, 
And so I did all that. I got the license, I got the name, um, and I got the um, tax, you know, my tax ID. Um, so all the basic stuff that you need, and you can look it up online. It basically walks you through step-by-step step what you need yep. to start a license or start a business. So right. I did all those, check, check, check. Um, and then just by, I started networking and starting, you know, to get the word out there because this type of business is not, um, you know, put a billboard out there. It's, it's more word of mouth. Um, and once you start to have clients, people start to tell other people about it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I tried the whole pay the money online and, and do the social media thing. And I got no clients, none whatsoever. Um, but, you know, again, you got to think, are the type of people you got to start thinking to yourself, are the people that you're trying to reach are social media people? And chances are they're not, you know, <laughs> so, but they can be, I mean, I don't know. It depends on what type of, of clientele you're looking for. Right. So that's something you got to ask yourself when you're right. Yeah, the, the paid media is really hard to dial into and you you really yeah. have to spend a lot to find your audience, um, you know, and it's a lot of trial and error. So you know, I've certainly heard people, you know, they spend like a thousand on ads and they got nothing from it. Um, but, you know, it depends on one of your funnels set up properly and two, like only like 3% of people that you reach are going to be ready to buy something from you at that very moment like what are the chances that you're going to find somebody that's like oh i was looking for a patient advocate um, today and here you are on my social media <laughs> it's right, just... <laughs> right yeah it, well you they, you got a drip too right they say you got a drip so you got to constantly be you know be if you're going to be on social media you got to constantly post so you're constantly in their minds right so i mean it's just constantly networking and networking yeah. and networking so yes. i joined groups and i learned about social media and i took classes and i I did all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, and I think yeah. that that's huge because um, the you know your referral network is is going to be, and I think it's really undervalued, like how important. Because I think you know we like to think, and and myself included, like that you know Facebook ads will just fix everything, and I'll put it on autopilot, and then clients will just call me up and give me money. Um, and that would be a dream for sure. Right, that's right. Not what happens at all. No, no, there's an <laughs> algorithm to Facebook. <laughs> um, yeah, so tell me a little bit about the name of your company, Lilikai. Okay, so I have two daughters. Um, one is named Lilia and the other is Kylan, spelled K-A-I-L-Y-N. Um, and so I took the two names and it's Lilikai. Um, Kai in Hawaiian means ocean, and I'm from Hawaii, and so I combined their two names, and ocean is also near and dear to my heart as well, so that's where I came up with the name Lokai. I love it. It does sound very Hawaiian, and actually, when I first uh, <laughs> met you, I, you know, I was saying, oh, I wonder if she's from Hawaii, so, <laughs> or if she's living in Hawaii, and I'm, like, super jealous, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Now, is this a type of business that uh, you'll be able to take back to Hawaii when you, when you go eventually? Yeah, because a lot of my clients, um, I mean, I do have a nurse that works for me here in Tucson, Arizona, but a lot of my clients I can help over the phone because a lot of it is, is just helping them with questions that they have most of the time, but anybody who needs help in person, I have somebody here in Tucson. Um, okay. But yeah, but most of it is, is just questions like, what do I do? What do I, you know, I, I have this going on you know, being discharged and this is what it says. Can you call the doctor for me? Can you, you know, so a lot of it is, is phone calls. 
Okay. So how do you, what is the kind of like the payment model then? Like, I mean, I'm sure you don't, I mean, do people pay you and then call you or do they, do you have some sort of membership model or how does that work? Yeah. So we just started a membership model. Um, and so you can pay a monthly membership um, because we don't have like hourly, right? Cause you're not going to be on the phone with me for an hour, but you may call me multiple times in a month, right? To ask me questions. So it might be five minutes here, 10 minutes there. So um, it's like $75 a month for a monthly membership. And then you can call me multiple times in that month um, up to an hour. And it's, you know, multi, you can have call me different times for multiple minutes of increments. Yeah, no, that, that, I like that because, you know, I have um, one nurse, she's a concierge nurse actually down in Mexico. And, you know, one of the issues that she had was that she didn't have a membership model and people would call her up for five or 10 minutes and, you know, she didn't feel like she could send them a PayPal after the you know, the conversation. <laughs> and, but you get, I mean, those five or 10 minutes, they start adding up and it's like then your whole life becomes answering your phone and questions. That's and what happened getting... to me. That's exactly what happened okay. to me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause people are like, well, I'm not going to give you 50 bucks for talking to you for five minutes, but it's like, it took you a lifetime to learn everything that you know. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep, it does. It, it eats it eats up your time. And so I had to do something to come up with with a payment plan for that. Okay. So um, how do how did people respond to your to the membership model? Do they are they happier with it? Because I, you know, it, on the reverse side of that, I would say people don't like to, you know, ask you for things for free either. Like, you know, I feel weird taking free stuff from people. Like I want to pay you for what, but if there's no like real model set up to pay you, it's just kind of an awkward situation almost. Right. Yeah. So I actually just started this model, um, the beginning of the month and, um, it's actually, people are actually on board with it. Um, they'd rather do that than keep asking. Yeah. It seems. So yeah. as soon as I said that, they're like, oh yeah, I'm on board. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, yeah, I would think that because again, like I wouldn't call you because I wouldn't want to bother you type of thing. But if I'm paying right. you, then I would feel like, oh, you know, this is what I'm paying for. I'm so. paying for. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and it's I don't have like a contract either. You know, if you don't want to keep going with the membership because you don't need me, then that's fine. But let's say you're recently discharged and you're going to need me for the next few months, you know, then that works. And then we also have, like I said, the discharge service. So let's say you want me involved in your discharge care here in Tucson, then we have a nurse that can meet you at the hospital, be involved with your care team, and then help with the discharge plan all the way to you get home, picking up your prescriptions, and being involved in all of that so that your appointments are made, your medications are home, you understand your medications, you understand your discharge plan, and that follow-up is made in an appropriate manner, because that's where the lapse is, where the readmissions happen. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And what are some of these other services that you offer and are they offered independently or is this going to be part of the membership model now? Um, that I have not decided yet because that's like the in-person one would not be part of the membership because that's like a, a lot of in-depth stuff that goes on because you have to be there in person. Um, but the medication management would be included because that's something we can come out once a month and help you with your medication to get it all you know organized for the month and making sure you understand which medications you're taking uh, make sure there's no contraindication to taking one and the other together <laughs> um so that kind of stuff is all included um what other services are you 
Well, it says uh, nursing assessment, nursing care for physician orders, medication assistance, care coordination, education, advocacy. Yeah, so the patient advocacy absolutely is, in, is included in that. Um, but the care coordination and um, nursing orders for physician orders, that's all um, separate because that, that would be like including going to the home and doing physician orders and stuff. So let's say you're discharged and need wound care or something like that, or dressing changes. So we would have to, that would be something separate that we would have to discuss on a per situation basis. Okay. And do you get referrals from providers and hospitals? So do they know who you are now? They're like, oh my gosh, you need you need to not speak yet. to Serena. <laughs> not yet. Not, well, actually, some of the um, OR nurses have referred me um, to like the cardiac cath patients and stuff. Um, I've, I've had like a call at five o'clock in the morning of somebody saying that they need a ride home after their cath procedure, <laughs> things like that. that I've um, been telling our concierge nurses that for a long time. I'm like, those cardiac cath patients, you need to get in with those. I mean, I we yeah. focus a lot on plastic surgery, but I'm like, there are so many other surgeries out there that are desperate for somebody to come yeah. to take care of them. Well, and today too, I mean, because of COVID, we've got so many surgeries that are being done outpatient that used to be done inpatient. And those surgeries can be pretty, you know, intense. And so a lot of outpatient surgery patients really could use follow-up care, you know, making sure that they get in with, you know, with a, a physician right away that they get the follow-up care that they needed. Otherwise they're going to end up as a readmission and then yeah. that can harm the patient. So, and, and the, the hospitals get fined. So, I mean, it's a win-win to have a patient advocate on board. Yeah. And I would think too, like talking to some of these hospitals, like they have the, the observation period or that 23 hours and the hospitals do not make money at one observation at all. Um, right. And I know they'd like to get rid of some of those, those patients. Uh, that sounds horrible, but, <laughs> but you know what yeah. I mean? Like the nursing yeah. terminology, but um, you know, and I think that your service and the services that you offer, because I mean, home care is not going to cover this, uh, you know, right. like, but to send that person home, like I can almost see the hospital spending money to hire you. Uh, they would save money to hire you to take that patient home instead of doing a 23 hour observation in the hospital, which is astronomically expensive. Yeah. I, I, I've been wanting to find a way to approach hospitals about this because but all I can think is they're going to want to take my idea and run with yes. it, although they don't have the staff for it right now. So. And, and they don't have the organization. Like, I mean, if you look at that, they're in crisis mode, especially right now in, during COVID. They're, all they're doing is like putting out fires. Um, so they don't have the time or the energy. And I've had the same problem. You had mentioned that earlier in the beginning. And I meant to go back to that, that, you know, as an ED manager, you had these ideas and you know, you could never bring them to fruition because there's always somebody blocking you. And I had the same exact thing. Um, with our neuropatients because the neuropatients would go home and you know the next day they'd be readmitted because they had a question and they called the office and the office would go to the ED and I'm like this is so stupid <laughs> like, if somebody had just talked to the person we could have saved all of this um, and so I came up with this idea of doing this kind of transitional care and actually TCM through Medicare and they actually pay for it which is even better uh, and the hospital stole my idea and wouldn't let me do it. So I, that's when I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm done with you people. <laughs> you know, yeah, we're not going to, yeah. we're not going to solve the hospital's problem in the hospital because they steal the idea and then they didn't, never did anything with it, you know? And so all those patients for the last 10 years, um, still same crappy discharge care. So, 
Yeah. That's yeah, my rant. I, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. I've, I've had ideas stolen from me too. And then somebody else gets credit for it at a right. higher level, you know, and it's like, really? It was my idea. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm done with that. Um, yeah. So definitely getting in there and, you know, just, um, you know, you probably even on LinkedIn um, connect with the, the C-suite and just, you know, hey, do you have the 23 hour observation patients that you're trying to get rid of? You know, call me. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Because every hospital, when you go on LinkedIn, it'll say, see all the employees and you get all of those people. Um, you know, it, it's really LinkedIn so powerful. All right. I totally got sidetracked there. Um, uh, you That's also good, do good information. Yeah. <laughs> you also do <laughs> AEDs. This is a, another area of, of your business. Can you talk a little it bit about is. what that is? Yeah. Into it? <laughs> so uh, my brother passed away in 2017, um, right around Christmas time from mm -hmm. a sudden cardiac arrest. Um, and he was with, you know, a bunch of friends and they didn't know how CPR, obviously they didn't have an AED because they were at a friend's house. And, um, and so the lack of CPR, they got him to the cath lab. They, they you know, were able to save his heart, but they, because of the lack of CPR and an AED, he was brain dead. So oh. he passed away. And so I got involved in selling AEDs and educating our community on how important AEDs are because CPR is great. You have a 30% chance of survival if good quality CPR is, is done. But if you do good quality CPR and an AED is applied within the first minute of sudden cardiac arrest, 90% chance of survival. So there's a big gap in that. Um, and so many people are afraid to use it because they fear of being sued or, you know, getting shocked because of the old days of the, <laughs> of the gel up and, or the movies that show all that kind of stuff, yeah. but they are actually so simple and dummy proof and they walk you through how to use them. And so I just want to educate and I, and I know different states have different laws on using them, but, um, here in Arizona, you're covered by the good Samaritan law, a lot of states you are um, so yeah that's just my one of my missions is to educate more people get more aeds up in businesses especially outpatient surgery centers dentist offices doctors they don't offices. have them not everyone no nursing an outpatient homes. an outpatient surgery center doesn't have an aed not all of them that's crazy no. I know. That should be a liability. <laughs> I know. And a lot of dentist offices don't either. And they, they do sedation sometimes. So it's, it's just appalling to me that, that, that doesn't happen, you know, but they all should. And, and I, as part of my service, I also go in and educate all the staff on how to use them. Um, and then I also service them too. So um, yeah, that's, that's just a mission of mine and a passion of mine to do that. So. Yeah, that, that's great. I mean, yeah, honestly, like if you're doing sedation, you should have an AED. That's just, it should be common sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could have one in your home, you know, as long as you're not living alone, otherwise it's useless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel something coming on. <laughs> um, all right. Awesome. So um, what is um, kind of your big plan, your big vision for Lolokai concierge nursing? Well, I'm noticing that a lot of, you know, a lot more nurses are starting to do something similar to what I'm doing, which is great. I think that that is amazing. Um, I just, I want to see uh, for myself, I want to see Loci grow outside of Arizona um, and start 
having more patient advocates out there for everyone. Um, rather it be through my business or other businesses, I just, I want to see that people are not scared and struggling when it comes to their health. If they have diabetes or, you know, COPD or whatever the case may be, that they can understand and have somebody to talk to, to just call and say, hey, you know, I have this now, can you come and educate me one-on-one -on -one? without feeling like they have to go to make a scheduled appointment to go to a meeting to understand the diabetes. I mean, there's just so much out there right now. Yeah, there's resources, but so many people I talk to, it's like, I don't know where to go for the resources, you know, right. or I don't want to go to a big group meeting and, you know, to understand it. And, but if they had that one-on-one -on -one where you can actually talk to them on their level and how they understand it, people are, are not going to suffer or be scared so much. So, right. Um, yeah, I just, I just want more of that type of service out there for people. I like that. And I would add one more layer, like for me, like, I just don't, I, you know, I have so many things going on. The last thing I want to do is go research what all my, just tell me what, the, here's some money, tell me what yeah. it is that I can do. Like, you know, that to me is worth so much because it's a lot and a lot of it's confusing. It's not wrote, written in, in plain English. And, you know, I feel like, especially any insurance or government stuff is like this, you know, talk around and I'm like, somebody needs to interpret this for me because I don't know what I'm reading. Right. Well, yeah, I had a client recently whose, whose husband is, is, has cancer and she hired me to help them understand what's going on, you know, because he wasn't told how much time he has to live or how bad the cancer is. And so I got on board to help them understand he's like riddled with cancer, yet nobody told him that. They told him that he could, you know, possibly be put in a research, you know, for, for treatment and all this kind of stuff. And he's sitting here thinking he has a chance and he's got this and that. And so he's just been getting chemo and all this kind of stuff and just suffering. He's suffering the whole time. You know, and it, it's just not right. To, I mean, that the doctor didn't, you know, finally, when he asked the doctor, how much time do I have? Well, the treatment really isn't going to do anything, you know, and you really don't have much time left, but he had to ask, right. you know, and it's like, you, it's just, I don't know. It just, yeah. I don't know. Because he gets Sometimes to be spending his need... good days trying to wrap up loose ends and stuff in his life and right. So sometimes people just need guidance as to what to ask their physicians and given their current situation. And so, yeah, there's a lot nurses can do to help people with what it. their current situation is. All right. Well, if people want to find you or connect with you, how can, um, how, where do they go? Um, they can go to, they can email me or call me 520-230-0879. Uh, they can go to my website at lilkinursing.com. That's L-I-L-K-A-I nursing.com. Um, or they can email me at lilkai, serena at lilkainursing.com. <laughs> My name is spelled S-Y-R-I-N-A. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, Serena, thank you so much for doing this with us today. Katie, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. <laughs>